episode 23 of EmanCast. I'm Annalie Bogus, and today we're going to try and make sense of away rotations. This is a part of medical school that every year creates a riffle of anxiety through all students going into EM. I went through this process last year, and I know that current third years are about to dive into the mysterious world of VSAS. So I sat down with Dr. Anna Nelson, the clerkship director for the sub-I at OHSU, and Kim Regner, our education coordinator, and they offered up some wonderful tips for getting through this process and answered many questions I had during this time last year and a lot of questions I've gotten from current students going through this process. So let's hear what they have to say. So we're here with Kim Regner and Dr. Anna Nelson um, to talk about the away rotation process and VSAS and all of that. So thank you guys for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks Um, for having us. So maybe you can introduce yourselves and kind of tell us a little bit about yourselves and your role at the emergency department here at OHSU. So I'm Anna Nelson. <laughs> um, I'm the current um, clerkship director for the SEBI as well as all of the um, electives in emergency medicine at OHSU. And I did med school in Colorado and then came here for residency and then have been on the faculty for two years now. And I'm Kim Regner. I'm the education coordinator for the Department of Emergency Medicine, and I handle all of our medical student rotations in the department. Um, I'm also our fellowship coordinator in addition to that, but love med students. You guys are great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again for being here. Um, So I think there's a kind of a black hole of knowledge for medical students about going into emergency medicine about what are away rotations and how do you set them up and when and all of this. So I'm hoping today we can kind of clear that up for a lot of students and kind of, you know, work through what the process is like and why we have away rotations in general. Um, So I guess we can just start with that. What is the purpose of an away rotation for a student going into emergency medicine and why do we have them? So I think it's multifactorial. I think um, we have away rotations for a couple different reasons. On the one hand, it's an opportunity for students to go around the country and see a program that's different from their own. I think there's a significant amount of variability in the kind of styles and feels of residency, whether you're talking about county programs, academic programs, three-year programs, four-year programs, programs that are associated with a huge university where there are a bunch of other residencies versus kind of a standalone emergency medicine residency. So I think it's an opportunity to try on something different. I think um, one of the things about emergency medicine and students who excel as emergency medicine residents and then physicians are um, they're flexible and they're kind of inherently curious, and they can work with teams that are a mixture of all different types of people. And away rotations are an opportunity to demonstrate those skills and to evaluate those skills. So I think there's those two aspects of it. Um, And it has gotten to the point in emergency medicine where it's expected that you will do at least one away rotation. In addition to your home rotation? Yes. Okay. And so a lot of questions that I had when I was going through this process and that I've gotten recently is how should students decide where to do their rotations um, and how to kind of start that process? So again, 
And I do want to emphasize, sorry, to go back to the first yeah. question, you, you can match into emergency medicine without doing it away. Yeah. It is not, like, mandatory. However, I would say over 98% of people probably do them, 99%. Okay, anyway. Um, so how do you decide where to go? So I think you can decide purely based on um, location. So you theoretically want to go to a particular residency, and so you apply to the OA and do the OA at that location because you know that that would be very high on your list for residency. So viewing it solely as like an audition rotation at your number one spot or something like that. Um, in addition to the whole, like, what is the residency in that particular location, you can also use location for, that's a city that I am really interested in living, but I want to go and kind of try that on and see whether that residency in that particular city is something that I would really like. We certainly understand that this whole process is expensive, and therefore factoring in financial um, issues is really important. So if your family or you know, other friends or um, other med students around the country live in that particular city and you have a place that you could stay. That's something that we certainly support people factoring in. Um, as I kind of mentioned answering the first question, having some thought about what sort of types of residencies you see yourself excelling in. So if you are from uh, an academic institution like, for example, OHSU, um, you may want to go to a place that has more of a county feel in order to try that on. You could consider going to a place, if you're from a four-year institution, going to a place that's a three-year program just to see what their senior residents are like. That makes sense. And then I think on the flip side of that, I hear a lot of people that say if you're really interested in a program, then you have to do an away rotation there. Um, I think that's a little bit of a myth, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say if you are interested in a program, why not go do an away rotation? However, you can match into any program without doing an away rotation. It's not like the end of the world if you don't do an away rotation at a program you're really interested in. Yeah, and I think this it's gotten a little competitive, the away rotation mm -hmm. process, which we can talk about further, but knowing that if you have an away rotation, that, that and that's going to be a great experience no matter what, and if you don't get your very top choice in away rotation, that's not going to make or break the rest of your residency application. Absolutely. And even if you go to a place and you discover that may not be um, a spot that you feel like you would excel at for residency... I still think that there are many valuable things to be gained from that experience. Excellent. Um, so, and another question that we get is how many away rotations should we be doing? Some students do, um, you know, one for the residency application, you need two slows or standardized letters of evaluation. So it's pretty typical that students do one away rotation and they're sub-I at their home institution. But many students do more than one, and wondering, is that kind of becoming more of the norm, or is it typical still for students to be doing one-away rotation? I think that the expectation, with the caveat that I mentioned earlier, that you don't absolutely have to, but the expectation is that you will do at least one away. 
I do not think that students should feel pressured into doing any more than one away. There are many factors, financial as we talked about, people have families and kids they don't want to be away from. Um, there's also your whole career to learn emergency medicine, and one of the benefits of fourth year is that you can select a lot of electives and choose to do electives and things that might um, you might have self-identified as kind of a weakness, and so you can take fourth year to do an elective in that particular thing in order to strengthen yourself as a resident, and you might not have the opportunity to do that during your residency. So there are so many other opportunities in fourth year. I would not feel like you need to do four purely adult emergency medicine rotations at all. Okay. <laughs> people do it. Absolutely. Yeah, people do it. But there are only four spots for letters anyway, and so if two of them are slows, some students feel like they need all four to be slows. I do not think that is the case at all. And of course, this is all just my opinion and yeah. the opinion of kind of the team here at OHSU, but... Um, there have been some discussions on the um, CDEM listserv across the country about this particular issue, and the consensus is that one away rotation is very adequate. People get interviewed with one slow, but we prefer two slows. Any more than that is fine, but certainly not expected. Okay, I'm going to interject here for a minute because I don't think that all of our listeners are familiar with SLOWS. SLOW stands for Standardized Letters of Evaluation, and they are specific to emergency medicine applicants. ERAS, or ERAS, is the Residency Application Service, and it requires at least two SLOWS from two different academic institutions. Once you rotate on a sub-internship as a fourth year, the department will write you a SLOW. You will have one from your home institution and ideally one from another emergency department at another institution. As Dr. Nelson mentions, one slow can suffice, but most commonly people submit two slows. You can take a look at the slow form online and I'll include a link to this on our website and in our show notes. And I, I think the people that I have seen do multiple away rotations, um, it has been more about there's two programs that they're very, very interested in and wanted to get to know better. It was kind of an own, own like personal gain and personal growing experience, not necessarily to build up their application or get more letters, um, but more to explore more areas. I would definitely agree with that. And I think people are also motivated if they, as we mentioned earlier, people have the opinion that they need to do in a way in order to get their foot in the door. And so I think students feel a lot of pressure to do additional away rotations in order to have that audition rotation. We don't think it's necessary, but people certainly feel that pressure and do it. Let's talk a little bit about what the application process for away rotations looks like. We throw around VSAS a lot and SLOWS and ERAS and all of these acronyms. So um, what is VSAS and, and where does that play into all of this? <laughs> well, VSAS is the Visiting Student Application Service. It's through the AAMC and uh, there's about 200 institutions around the country that solely use VSAS for their visiting student applications. There are some programs who don't use VSAS. Um, so if you look in the VSAS list of institutions and don't see a program you're interested in, you can contact that. I would recommend just contacting that program and see what their um, policy is for visiting students. Um, but most most programs are using VSAS, and um, 
it is how everyone reviews the applications and it's a pretty easy system to use for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> that was my experience. I think the troubling kind of part is that each program has its own application within VSAS and so it can kind of become a little daunting if you're applying to a handful yeah. of programs and they all have their own requirements and so some programs may have a personal statement, some may mm-hmm. want a letter of intent, some may not want any of that. So when when does VSAS open and when should people start thinking about that process? So VSAS I believe starts opening for applications around for you guys to start building your applications in there around the end of February. But we aren't going to be reviewing applications in VSAS. Most programs start in late spring. Um, from what I've heard from around the country, it's you know either late April or May. Something I saw today when I was looking at VSAS and the institutions list is there's, for us and for a lot of programs, there's an initial review by like the registrar's office at an institution, and then they send the applications they release the applications for review by the programs. So the dates in VSAS are based on the registrar dates and not necessarily program dates for review, but that's different across the country. So it's usually um, late April, early May when we start reviewing applications and getting a list of people we'd like to send offers to. And when when are these away rotations happening? Like when should students be what chunk of time should they be expecting to be doing an away rotation if they're applying for emergency medicine? The classic is that the rotations are done June, July, August, September, and at the latest October of your fourth year. Across the country, there's a big push to have more flexibility in scheduling clinical rotations and having um, the being able to take those kind of senior electives earlier. And so we are accepting sub-I's basically any time of year. And so you theoretically could apply and do them at a different time of year. But the classic is to do it June through September. Okay. So it is a possibility but in some institutions to do it at a, your sub-I at a different time. Mm-hmm. It probably goes without saying that if you're matching it in like, June of the subsequent year, I guess February of the subsequent year, that doing the rotation in like January or whatnot is not going to be to your benefit, right? That, yeah. that it all needs yeah. to be done at the calendar year before so that the letters can be written and submitted with your ARIS application and everything by September 15th. Yeah. But yes, we write slows for students who rotate after ARIS opens too and get them uploaded. Um, so I don't think it's like a limit. It's nice to have your away rotation done before Eris opens, but if you don't have it done before Eris opens, I wouldn't panic too much. I mean, you can still get a slow. You can still go experience that program. There's still opportunity. Yeah, and up letters can be uploaded yes. after you finish your, app- mm-hmm. your ERAS application. Cool. I think the general timeline is that yeah. in... January and February of the second to last year of medical school, you should be considering where you would like to do your away rotations, investigating on VSAS and on the program's individual websites what the particular days are, deadlines are, I should say, creating a spreadsheet for yourself so that you can meet all of those deadlines and all of the requirements for the various schools, and then 
March and April-ish, you're submitting all of those applications to VSAS, and then you're hearing back starting in May, but you may not hear back until August or September even that you have a rotation for the end of that calendar year. So I think um, this last year applying with VSAS, there was a little bit of chaos with people not knowing where they were going to be doing their aways or not knowing if they were going to get in a way. It seems that, well, we all know that emergency medicine is becoming increasingly competitive, and as such, this process of applying for away rotations is more competitive as well. What would you say to students that are applying this year to kind of help them get over the stress of, like, this competitiveness? Yeah, um, I would just not freak out too much if you don't have <laughs> one. <laughs> right away, I mean... We get calls, I mean, basically starting from the day VSAS opens from students asking if they're going to get a spot here or not. And we're reviewing applications and other programs are on similar timelines to us. You know, it's it's probably six to eight weeks out before the start date of that ro- the rotation you requested that we're reviewing and getting offers out. And sometimes it's even a shorter timeline than that. Last year I had a student who reached out to me a few weeks before and we had a spot open up and I knew that student was flexible and could come at any time and so I was we were able to Anna reviewed the application said she was qualified to come and we got that student and that sort of stuff happens I wouldn't say not infrequently so it just all kind of depends on you know I don't think anyone should worry about not getting in a way rotation um, but that being said, like, you do want to stay on top of it. You do want to monitor it. Like, it is recommended. What do you, what do you think? I- <laughs> so I would say um, last year we recommended that students apply to three or four programs in order to get a single away rotation. But you can apply to three or four programs for multiple different months in order to increase the chances that you'll get an away rotation. Um, Annalie is absolutely correct that there were, that it is getting more competitive and that getting away rotations was very competitive last year and more challenging than it has been in the past. That being said, there were still slots available even though students had the perception that they weren't available. And so everybody that wanted an away did secure an away rotation at OHSU. Certainly not missing deadlines, applying on time helps you to get an away rotation. Um, Being flexible about when you are able to go helps. And then applying to a variety of places um, can be really helpful. And I know for us, the availability of spots is based on how many local students are enrolled because obviously OHSU students get first pick of rotation spots. So we don't always know right when VSAS opens how many spots we're going to have available for visiting students. It's usually around one to two per rotation, but that varies around the country, and we get a lot of applications, so it can take some time to get through them. Yeah, because you don't know how many yeah. home students are going to be on their right. sub and during that. Right, time. and yeah. That makes sense. The other things, if there's a 
specific location that you are motivated to go that you can do to increase your chance, chances in addition to applying to just the main sub-I in like adult emergency medicine. You can apply to the pediatric emergency medicine sub-I. You could do an ultrasound rotation or a tox rotation or something like that, which granted is not going to get you a slow, um, but still if you're feeling really disappointed that you didn't get to have that audition rotation at Institution X that you were hoping to, you could go to that place for one of these other rotations in order to see what the residency was like, put your face out there, and get to know the people that are there. Yeah, that's good advice. And you can do that outside of the typical summertime window of when you would do your I think um, it's also kind of a question of, are your students going to get interviewed during their rotations. From what I know, it's different across the board. Um, depends on when you're there, where you are. Each institution has its own kind of way to do that. But uh, Emma, what do you think about that? It's very, it's institution specific. Some places don't interview during the summer. Other places do. Um, some people, some rotations only interview the visiting students during the summer, but don't interview their home students during the summer. I think certainly we understand, again, that it's expensive to fly around the country, and if you have already gone all the way across the country for the rotation, going back again later is not ideal. But on the flip side, we don't interview visiting students in June and July here because we feel like it is so early on in the process that those students might not be adequately prepared for their interview, i.e. having had enough experience to talk confidently and intelligently about their career plans. Um, they may not have written their personal statement or thought about that. They may not have kind of solidified um, how they want to present themselves on the interview, and, and so we don't do that really early in, on in the summer, but yeah, then we start in August? Our rotation dates usually line up to where they're starting the end of June and then into July for the first, like, four-week block, and then the second four-week block is usually the end of July into August, and we did this past year interview okay. visiting students who were here in August. It just kind of depends. The year before, we had students who rotated in June and July who did have to fly back for interviews um we do offer interviews to all of our rotators um not all programs do and some programs just take the away rotation as the interview completely they might offer you some time to you know sit down with core faculty who are involved in recruitment during that rotation um but there might not be a, an actual interview day. It might just be based on your total performance on the rotation. I would say the majority of the feedback was, yes, programs tend to offer interviews for visiting students, but it might not always be while they're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kim spoke with a bunch of programs around the country and got their feedback supporting that this is very institution dependent. Yes. <laughs> you did your research. I know. <laughs> yes, she did her research. I sent an email. <laughs> um, what are some other questions that you guys get? I know you get a lot of students calling, emailing, 
running in the doors frantically asking questions about this process. Um, what are some other questions you get or myths you'd like to dispel? Well, I'd say it's a, a very fine line between persistence and harassment. <laughs> um, you know, there is, like, I am happy to answer, and I'm sure most coordinators around the country are also very happy to take some time to answer a student's questions and talk to them about the application process of our site and our application review process. That being said, we also don't want to talk to you every week about the process or the status of your application. A lot of us wear multiple hats, so it's not all we're doing. I would recommend definitely reaching out to programs you're interested in, but not until after residency recruitment finishes and not um, overwhelmingly. I know it's a very fine line, and there were definitely some students like I've talked to multiple times and some that I've only talked to maybe once. Um, I keep a list of everyone who reaches out to us ahead of time. I don't know across the country how common that is, but I definitely, like, if a student emails me or calls me um, and I spend some time working with them on the VSAS issue and their applications, I um, definitely keep track of who those people are. And that way also, you know, when we are reviewing applications and pulling from the list of 100 applicants that we have for a particular month, then we can, we kind of, you know, can see like, oh, this is, you know, Annalie, she sent me that really nice email from Oregon Health and Science University about her interest. And so we can recognize that and it helps a little bit, but also overwhelmingly contacting can also detract from your application. So I would discourage you you know, calling them every week or every day. <laughs> That's good advice. Okay. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just like, you know, be respectful of other, you know, institutions, like the people you're talk working with at other institutions' time. Also, treat your entire rotation as the interview, even if you, whether you're having an interview day or not. Um, everyone you meet probably has some sort of input on how the rank goes or how they review you as an applicant. So I don't want people to be too nervous, but I also want everyone to just be aware that, you know, you never know who has, like, influence or not. Just be kind and respectful of everyone's time and their uh, presence. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> if you piss off the coordinator, or you piss off the janitor, or the huck who makes all the phone calls in the emergency department, it all gets back to the clerkship director and the program director. So be nice to your coordinators and the janitors and everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think one of the other questions that people ask is... Um, do, am I supposed to write a letter to the program that tells them why it is that I want to rotate there? Um, some places require it. Some places don't. My personal opinion is that they're taking the time to read your application. They want students who are specifically interested in their institution and committed to it for a particular reason. And if you can share that reason with us, it's useful. So I tell OHSU students, 
whether or not they require it, you should write a succinct and polite letter explaining why it is that you want to rotate at a particular place. And who would you send that to? Or would you include it with your VSAS? With your VSAS, yep. And so then it gets fed into VSAS and the coordinator gets it and the director Mm -hmm. gets it. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, there's an opportunity on Vsas to upload additional documents, mm-hmm. and you can title it whatever you want. So you don't need to email that directly to the yep. coordinator or the yep. director. You can include that in your application. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be super gushy and flowery, just yeah. synced. It doesn't what need to it be more than one page. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, like, word limit, but, you know. Um, and also we look at, you know, who is who's your letter of recommendation coming from if possible and you're going into em you know we like to see it from someone who is an em provider i know that's not always possible because we want someone who can attest to your clinical experience as well Um, at least when we're reviewing applications and someone who knows you pretty well is that correct anna that you know we definitely look at who the letter of recommendation is coming from and what they have to say about you Yeah, so I would say your number one priority would be find somebody who knows your clinical skills and can speak specifically about you. If that person happens to be an emergency medicine physician, that is to your benefit because EM is a very small world and we know a lot of the faculty at a lot of institutions around the country, so that can be very helpful. We get a lot of questions about, you know, changing rotation dates. I would discourage that if you know institutions are creating these rotations for you based on you know their academic calendars and not all the academic calendars around the country line up it goes back to Anna saying be flexible but it is it it entails an an extra amount of work for the people creating the rotation for you if you can't work with the dates that they have outlined already I would say there's, like, two components of the how much flexibility people need in their schedule. There's the, it's your response, it's the student's responsibility to recognize that the rotation at OHSU does not line up with the rotation at your particular institution, and that may mean that you need to take a full six weeks from your institution in order to complete your four-week rotation at a different institution. The other kind of flexible or schedule flexibility aspect of it is that you're going to be applying to these rotations and looking for rotations in July, August, and September. So it may be that the institution says, yes, I could offer it to you in August, but I can't offer it to you in July. And perhaps you are going to then need to switch your schedule at your home institution in order to accommodate that. Or say, no, thank you. I unfortunately can't make that. But the sooner you can accept or decline the offer for the rotation, the better Mm -hmm. for all of the other students out there who are waiting for you to decline that rotation. Yes, that is like the other thing. And once you have accepted a rotation, it does happen that people, their priorities change, whatever, and they decide that they don't want to do the rotation. So again, as soon as possible, let the coordinator Mm -hmm. know. Again, emergency medicine is a very small world, so if you drop it within a week of starting, word will get around. It's also nice in those situations if something does come up where you need to drop a rotation or you're not going outside of just 
dropping it in VSAS or not accepting it in VSAS, I would send the program an email, a personal email saying, I'm not going to be able to make this work. Thank you for offering me the spot. And you will, that will not impact your ability to get an interview Mm -hmm. at that institution later on. Certainly, if you are unprofessional or whatnot in the process of declining the rotation, that might. But we do not hold a grudge against people in any way if they decide not to take our offer for an away rotation. Yeah. goes back to being nice and respectful. (laughs) (laughs) Step one and two. Yes. Um, I did hear that when I was applying last year, you know, because on VSAS, if you get an acceptance to a rotation, it gives you seven days to accept or decline. And perhaps you hear in April from a program that you were just applied to, and mm-hmm. but you want to hear from the one that you're really excited about, and they don't get back to you until May. You know, I wasn't in that position, but it I know that it comes up, and I was kind of told both things is like, well, if you decline your offer, then you will forever be banished and you can't apply to them for residency. And also I've heard it's part of the process. Be kind and just, you know, let the program know mm-hmm. if you're not going to go as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. I got emails from students who got offers from other institutions who wanted to rotate here and they just sent would send me an email saying you know explaining the situation that they had received an offer from another institution for a time that they were hoping to rotate here and requesting information on the status of their application here and when that happened I usually just you know talked to Anna and looked at where they were and based on that I could give them more accurate feedback as to you know if if we were able to make a quick decision on it, then I could give them that information or, you know, let them know that they should accept, like, the away offer that they already had because we weren't going to be able to make a decision that quickly on their application, so. That's helpful. That's a good idea. And that's not annoying, sending, like, that kind of, to me, it's not annoying, but. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, it's a a reasonable contact. (laughs) So we're going to be doing another episode in a couple months about different away rotation experiences. And we're going to talk with a couple of my classmates that went to a county program from OHSU, which is very academic. We've also had episodes in the past about advice on succeeding on rotations. One more time, I'm going to interrupt and pause here to plug our previous episode about succeeding on EM rotations. The very first and second episodes of EMAGCast, our colleagues Andy Lichtenheld and Nick Chapin sat down with Dr. Nelson and three RNs from our department here at OHSU to discuss success and tips for surviving our rotations in the ED. There's some fantastic advice in these episodes, and I'd strongly recommend checking them out. Again, I'll post a link to these past episodes in our show notes. What is some advice you would give students, especially those coming for an away rotation? I'm adjusting to a new place and kind of doing well on their away rotation? Uh, I'd say introduce yourself right off the bat to everyone you meet. That is just goes a long way to the students who come in and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm, you know, here from this place. Just on your shift, definitely, your first shifts in the department. Every department has a different kind of structure for the rotation, so just introduce yourself and... Be nice. I don't know. I'm all about being nice <laughs> today. <laughs> I think we kind of talked about this on that prior episode, but 
I think at the bottom line of an away rotation is basically, can you play nice with other people? Like, can you go into an environment that you're not used to and, as Kim said, introduce yourself and be polite and engage with the people that are around you? Again, whether they're your attending, your resident, the technician who's doing the EKG for your patient, whoever the person is, um, be engaged in getting to know them, be polite, be enthusiastic. It is much less about your medical knowledge and your like clinical acumen as a late third, early fourth year student than it is, is this somebody that at two o'clock in the morning I'm going to be psyched to teach and get to know and work with. We also understand, like, it is anxiety-provoking to go to a new city and, like, yeah. stay in a new apartment and navigate the transportation or the lack thereof and meet a bazillion new people who you perceive as constantly analyzing everything that you're doing and those sorts of things. So, it's it's totally an anxiety-provoking experience. It's also a ton of fun. We love having visiting students and getting mm-hmm. to know them and work with them, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, was, I, I think it's a really awesome experience. Like, I feel very lucky that you're kind of required to do an away rotation as an EM student because going into it, I was very anxious about it, but having experienced someplace totally different, you get to travel to maybe a new part of the country you haven't been to, meet all these great people, work in a totally different department, get to know a different hospital system. I think it's just rewarding in so many ways, and it's, it is a stressful process getting there, but it works out in the end, and it'll be okay. <laughs> it will all be okay. Yeah. And, I mean, we're not, like, out to get you the entire rotation. I don't want you to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Like, the staff is out to get you, but, I mean, you know, because I really actually, I love meeting our visiting students when they come because a lot of times I've talked to them on the phone or exchanged several emails with them. You know, I've obviously reviewed their applications and things like that. And, you know, I'm excited to meet our visiting students whenever they're coming. It's, it's really, like, one of my favorite parts of my job is, like, welcoming these people to our city because I love Portland, too, and so it's, you know, it's nice to, like, share that with someone who's new to the area. It's fun to hear people's stories and, like, where they're coming from and why they wanted to come here and that sort of thing. So I really value that about getting to know them, and that's what I think most sites want to do as well is, like, get to know you also. So it's not all just, like evaluating you as (laughs) (laughs) well awesome I think that was all the questions I had thank you both for being here so much and thank you Kim for doing all of your extra research and looking into all this it's super helpful for us as students it's an it is an anxiety provoking time and process so thank you for helping us kind of break it down absolutely yeah you're welcome thanks it was fun Let's briefly summarize some of the important points about away rotations and go over a few more details. So VSAS is the Visiting Student Application Service, and this is the process which you'll use to apply for away rotations. Start looking into programs that you might be interested in in January. Look up deadlines for applications, make a spreadsheet, and stay organized. Programs all have different deadlines, so be sure you don't miss any of these. One tip of advice I received last year was to be sure to apply right as the application for a certain program opens. This will ensure the best chance of getting a rotation that you're interested in. It's expected that you'll do at least one away rotation. Some people do more, but this is really personal preference. It just depends on what kind of programs you would be interested in and how many of them you would like to check out. 
but don't feel pressure to do more than one away rotation. In thinking of where to do a rotation, think about location and type of program. It may be helpful for you to explore a program that's different than your home institution. For your application, there's a handful of documents that you'll need to get together. This includes a professional photo, an updated CV, academic transcript, step one scores, and documentation of all of your vaccines. This last one can get a little hectic, so be sure that you start on this early. Each program will have their own vaccination form that you'll need to find out, fill out and have your PCP sign off on your vaccine records. Many programs don't only require simply documentation of your vaccines, but also titers. And if your titers come back too low, you may need to get boosters of these vaccines. So just keep all this in mind and be sure you allow yourself plenty of time to get this done. Dr. Nelson recommends including a letter of intent for each program that you're applying to. This doesn't need to be long, but should just include why you want to go to that particular program and what you might offer that program. You may not hear about away rotation acceptance until spring or even summertime. It's okay to check in regarding your application, but not necessary to harass the clerkship coordinators. Remember, be nice to everybody that's on your rotation, and this includes the coordinators. They do a lot of the work behind the scenes. If you are in the fortunate position of getting multiple offers for away rotations, it's okay to need to turn down an offer. This is assumed to be part of the process. However, be sure that you do this early on and that you're as respectful as possible. A lot of work goes into creating these rotations for students, so be sure to get plenty of notice if you're needing to drop an away rotation. Also recognize that this opens up a spot for another student to have an opportunity at a rotation at this institution. Just be sure to get it done early and be respectful with it. For tips on how to succeed on your away rotation, check out our very first episode of eMigCast by Andy Lichtenheld. He sits down with Dr. Nelson and discusses success on sub-internships. Nick Chapin also talked with a few of our fabulous nurses from OHSU in our second episode of eMigCast, and they offer some additional tips for success. Finally, be nice. This seems like common sense, but I think it's important to remember that everyone you interact with on a rotation or scheduling rotations talks with the directors and you never know who may have a say in your interview invites and rankings. All right, this was a long episode with a ton of information, but I hope that this helps clear things up for those of you that will be going into the VSAS world this year. I'd like to give an extra special thank you to Dr. Nelson and Kim Regner for helping us out with this episode and for doing some extra research to be sure that we could get you all as much information as possible about this crazy process that we need to go through. Best of luck to all of you, and we'll see you next month on eMakeCast. This podcast represents only the views of its producers and does not represent the views of OHSU or any affiliated institutions. And while we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we're still learning and we ask that our audiences keep in mind that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. This podcast was made possible by a grant from the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine, who we'd like to thank for their continuing support. We do not accept money from any other sources. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.